Blau-Weiß, ein Leben lang. Herzlich willkommen zu Wook auf Shark America. I'm your host in misery, Richard Carmen. Joining me as always, my co-host, Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? Doing all right, sir. Um, uh, Super Bowl Sunday yesterday. Uh, probably a, a better game overall than what we had to watch uh, Sunday morning with Schalke. <laughs> but looking forward to getting into that one. I think if you just kind of looked at... The end uh, scoreline, maybe you would say, hey, Schalke on the road at, you know, third place Kiel or whatever, kept it close, 1-0, it doesn't do anything for us in the table, but potentially a good result. But I think, um, you know, it, we, that may have been a slightly favorable scoreline for us in hindsight and uh, not, not, not the best performance for sure. Yeah, not so much. I mean, I'm, I'm drinking, so it can't be that good of a game, right? Uh, I got a little limoncello tonight. Um, tonight we're going to... Talk a little Keenan Karaman, maybe trying to call his own shot before the game. Uh, match review, obviously. Uh, the game that was that uh, you just mentioned. We'll talk a little Brandon Soppy, a little uh, Shaka losing some TV monies. Uh, Shaka also is suing for 3 million euros. We'll talk about that. Uh, talk about Rafa Honigstein's article in The Athletic. And then wrap it up with uh, getting out of here because we got VNV spot in this weekend. Um, But let's, before we get into the game, Jack, uh, I just found out about this before I came into the show tonight. So, obviously, last game against Braunschweig, we won. won nothing. It was first first win, first victory Monday in a long time. Uh, and we had noted that the lineup has changed, tweaked a little bit, where Karaman was playing up top with Simo Tarota, kind of playing the second striker role. I guess he viewed it as a 10, and I guess after the Braunschweig match, he said, look, hey, I need to, or maybe it was before the Braunschweig match, said, look, I don't want to be a 10. I want to be a striker, so put me up top so I can show my true qualities. And, you know, obviously he scored last game, but in this game, eh, not so strong. I mean, thoughts on on him in particular being the best player so far for us this season, trying to tell the coach where he thinks he's best suited. You think it's a it's a good move or it's, uh, you know, we're not good enough to, to be calling our own shots? What are your thoughts? Um, I mean, no, I don't, I don't think there's anybody on, on Schalke at the moment that's good enough to be calling their own shots. I have no issue with a player, though, advocating for themselves and, and feeling like, hey, This isn't my optimal position. Um, if you're able to put me in this position in a shape that we sometimes play anyway, I think you can get more out of me. Um, that's where I'm more comfortable. That's where I feel I can affect the game, whatever. Um, I have no issue with Karaman expressing that as long as it's not like, you know, gets to the point where it's troublesome or causing an issue in the locker room or something. But um, I think it's always going to be a tough prospect trying to make good on that immediately against a team like Kiel. So. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. I think, you know, if you always can do so obviously respectfully and say hey look i think i appreciate where you put me but i think i'd be better suited being here and i can you know exploit my strengths a bit more then you know yeah why not go for that kind of stuff um but yeah no, I, i really have no issue with it and like you said there's no one on the team who should be calling their own shots at this point but uh yeah also i guess what i would say is i don't have strong feelings like let's just say you wanted to say like all right he's either like a stereotypical number nine or he's a number 10 or maybe he's like a winger Of those three options, do you feel that he more strongly fits into one than the other? Because I really don't. I really don't know what to make of him in, in terms of what he should be ultimately. Yeah, I mean, like back in the day, you know, before he came to Schalke, he was more in the attacking midfielder role. But, yeah, I think he doesn't have – he's not a true striker. 
he he can play the wing, but he's not a true winger and he's not a ten. It's he's like a. That's what I mean. Yeah, I don't think he has a skill set that demands one of those over the other. No, you know. No. So I, no. I find it interesting that he feels strongly in himself, but Eric, we'll see how that develops. I guess Eric says, "Good to see you, Eric on chat." He says, "Except for Mueller demanding playing goal, yeah, he's probably the only one can call shots." Uh, and really, you know, he could arguably could have had a save in that game that he missed. But anyway, um, yeah, no, that's a good shot. If and for any everyone, all those who are watching right now, a Gluck Alf. Uh, make sure you hit that like button on YouTube if you're watching there. Uh, let's get into the game in this one. Um, lineup looking first at the the host team. We'll get to the captain in a second, but uh, yeah, Viner in goal with Becker. We know Timo Becker, Eras and Klein Beckel with uh, Porath, Schultz, Remberg, and Roth with Skripsky. Yes, our former player Skripsky at number seven in the ten roll with Machino and Mice in the uh, attacking positions. Captain Timo Becker, uh, don't know if this is just a one-off to, for Sh- against Schalke or what, but I was surprised, Jack, that Timo Becker was a captain. I know you were as well. Uh, thoughts on, on Timo being the captain, of, at least for this game? We don't know if it was for the whole season or what, but uh, thoughts? Yeah, that's been a thing consistently. Then apologies for my uh, for my ignorance, but that was definitely slightly surprised to hear that when we uh, yeah when this game started that Becker was wearing the captain's on band, but. Obviously, Skripsky and Becker, you know, people are going to jump off the team sheet, players we know uh, very well. I, I don't know how you feel about Becker at this point. I still felt like when Becker left us, he could have been a contributor. Okay. Um, I didn't, like, hate him at all. Um, was he amazing? No, but, I mean, I think in, um, the issues we've had is with the right back position. I wouldn't have might had him, you know, for, for Pretty strong in this game as well. Um, also, just like very business-like. You know, he, he looked sharp every time he got on the ball, um, and just you know, helping move things forward for them. So, um, I, I guess from the perspective of once again, those are being former players, happy for both of them that um, they seem to be doing okay. Yeah, you know, as Timo Becker is a player who. I mean, I've always liked, and I know you as you have as well. I thought the year that we got relegated the first time from Schalke in recent memory, that both he and Malik Chow were the best players in that team, and they should have got a lot more run to in the in the second division. Malik Chow certainly did. Timo Becker just seemingly disappeared after that onto the bench, and then we kind of eventually lost him, uh, not under the um, game plans for Gramotis and everyone else who followed behind them. He goes over to to uh, Holstein Kiel, um, obviously someone who he loves the club. He saw it in the celebrations. He saw when he left the club. I mean, we saw videos on TikTok where he's watching Schalke uh, at, at Holstein Kiel's practices and stuff like that. So I mean, he clearly loves the cl- club. He's a, he's a Schalke player through and through. Uh, so seeing him on the opposition and now doing well, I mean, was he ever great? No, but I think he would be solving our right back issues. He's fairly consistent. He always, I mean, he seemed to ha- had been at least the one season that he's he started for us at that relegation year. So maybe we wouldn't have be having issues in the right back position, or maybe we would. You know, the, the team's bad overall. I think when when everybody plays well, everybody looks good, and when the team plays bad, then you know it, it's not. So um, it, it's a tough call. But uh, I mean, I, I I'm hope I'm glad to see him doing well. Captaining a team that's currently in second place uh, as a result of us. Um, and one thing was for sure into this game is that Timo Becker and Skripsky got the start. There's three things, you know, certainty, right? Death, taxes, and the former Shaka player scoring against us. And you had a high probability. What do you always say? There's a 50% chance if there's one Shaka player on the team starting. If there's two, it's almost about a guarantee, right? 
This <laughs> is how it goes. Um, yep. Outside of the two Shaka players, obviously, I mean, I think Machino for me would have been the guy to watch out. He's obviously been, he's a decent uh, fight the league player. He tormented us in the first game, I thought. Uh, that's the guy I was looking at. I mean, I don't know if there's anyone else I could say I was fully fully versed on. I don't know about you. No, I mean, the two guys up top definitely had their moments, um, especially in the first half, I think. I think the wide players in Parth and Rosa I, it kind of impressed me overall. Um, they, I think, gave us fits. Um, I think wide areas were an issue of concern for us in this game in general. I think maybe we can talk about this too, but some of the, the crossing and the balls from wide areas um, where we've seen that we've had difficulty tracking runners at times, um, came back and bit us in this one again. Um, so that's something I'd definitely like to see addressed by the coaching staff if possible in the next couple of weeks because it seems to be a, a, a consistent way that people are able to cause us huge issues yeah. um, and, and generate some scoring chances from it. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know. At this point, I'm like at a loss for words, uh, like what to do to fix this team, if it's even possible. Uh, looking at our starting 11, uh, Mueller in goal, the aforementioned uh, maybe only good player that can uh, call his own shots in the team. Back four of Merkin, Kaminsky, Kalash, and Matriciani. Schallenberg, Seguin hold the mid, uh, holding midfielder roles with uh, Idrizi, Cherlinov, Karaman, and Taroto to round up the starting 11. Um... I don't know, thoughts on the starting eleven on this one. I mean, it's the same one as we had against the Braunschweig. No change there. So I guess in that respect, it's good to have consistency. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about once again sort of that that like Drizzy Cherlinov partnership. The two of them, especially, are going to play Schallenberg and, and Segwin next to each other. Yeah. Um, it just feels like you're maybe not optimizing Trilinov in, in that sort of position. Um, so I'm not, yeah, I'm not necessarily sold on sort of the, you know, like the, the shape of the combination of players, but um, a really frustrating game because I feel like there, there's very few people thinking back that I can really point to that I thought had standout performances in this one of anybody. Um, I actually thought that Schallenberg was among the better players on the pitch. Yeah, I would agree. And that's a problem. You know how <laughs> yeah, I, it's true. I mean, like, you, you, you know how I feel about him generally, and I actually thought that he wasn't that bad, you know, relative to the rest of the squad in this game. I thought he was, you know, maybe one of the better people, so that I think that just doesn't speak well to the performances in general. But, yeah, I guess lineup and lineup, Kaminsky's back in because um, he's kind of been out of favor a little bit recently, um, and I thought he actually did quite poor in this game too, so I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, last game, Kaminsky and Kalash I thought did well, but this game I thought they were both struggling. I mean, the one thing with Kalash that sticks in my mind from this game was that him trying to clear the ball, it just goes straight up in the air and comes back down. And when you're in your own box, like, dude, come on. You're killing me. Um, the whole team, like I said, Schallenberg was one of the better players, and that, that is a worrying thing. Uh, had, a, had a great shot on target, you know, almost on target, hit off the defender. Uh, but yeah, Idrizi, Cherlanov, really ineffective in this formation. Um, Merkin did okay, had a good opportunity early in the game, but you know, Kaminsky and Kalash had a, uh, a weak game. I thought I agree. Matriciani at least showed some heart out of all the you know majority of the team members. I would say, um, and I, I love Simon Torota. Uh, I think we both do, but I think it just seems like he doesn't have it just anymore. Just like he went from a 30 goal scorer, 30 goal scorer, and then had his confidence completely took out from, from him uh, in the Bundesliga and then hasn't recovered since it's like, he can't, he's never been able to control the, the long balls at all, but his distribution has been bad. He's falling down all the time. trying to get calls. It just, it seems like when the balls go to him, they go to him to die. 
and it kills our but, yeah I mean, but I mean, like to, to eric's point in the chat just now there's no width without he says you know without more are on didn't get anything until kabadai and lasma comes on i mean like if you're gonna play tirada you need to find a way to get him service yes. so i don't know why you're not playing trilinov once again in an area of the pitch where he can maybe affect things in that way a little bit more um but i think Adrizi needs to be in in a role where he's on the ball a lot in transition moments and more offensive focused i think if you put him in and sort of like a central midfielder straight away from the start for 90 minutes, you know, um, without like wide players. I don't, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think, yeah, there just wasn't nearly enough created on the offensive end. And it was, it was troubling for sure. Um, I, I said, I think last podcast, part of me is interested in just seeing like a Cherlinov, Lasma, Karaman, like front three type situation or something along those just some lines. Just some pace. Just some pace. Yeah, you know? just do something because it's not it's not working currently. It's not that I don't. It's not that I think you know Torada is significantly worse than anybody else we have at the moment because we're so bad. You know, I mean, like you talked about. You know, how do you feel about Karaman being the best player on the team? He's like the leading scorer, but he's like five goals. The goals have been hard to come so by. spread out across the entire squad. There's no one really kind of taking charge, particularly up front. So, um, in in the absence of that, I feel like yeah, just do something i think to stretch the field a little bit and put people under pressure yeah uh and it's been it's been tough to watch it like you know like we're saying if the service is there maybe toronto's a lot more serviceable maybe caramon's a little more involved i think the wing play would help maybe adding kiki top even though he struggled you know when he was in there over the last i don't know three weeks the last three starts he had before prior to this so yeah it's it's hard to say and game you you knew holstein kill was going to come out especially with uh, St. Pauli losing. They had the chance, you know, to catch up Hamburg loss as well, and so they had a really chance to get into second place. And so, from the from the from the beginning of the match, they started attacking. Um, you saw the lack of defending by Shocker in the first minute of the game, where Machino had a wide open shot and on the back post. Luckily, he has the outside of the post and goes out. But that was like a sign of things to come in terms of this complete domination. I thought from from Holstein Kiel, the score, like you said, scoreline isn't evident of how the game was. I thought this was. For me, at least, I don't know your thoughts, but it, for me, it was a domination by Keel versus Schalke, even though it was a one nothing game. Would you get that feeling? Maybe? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and they they had some shots that were off target that should have been on target that were. Machino had like, like five of them by himself. Yeah, they were good. They were like good goal scoring opportunities. Actually, I think the XG was pretty. There was a pretty big dis, uh, disparity there. Um, they had way more shots on. They were just wasteful. I think. Um, yeah, we're, we're lucky that we weren't punished significantly more. I think if they were more clinical in front of goal, this could have been um, uglier than it ultimately appeared. Um, as I mentioned, I thought I thought Kaminsky was just off the pace. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by, and what I mean by that is not like oh Kaminsky's like slow. So if it's in transition, he's getting beaten. That regard. What I mean is just like Missing reaction passes. time yeah. to everything. He like that, that's and that's that's not something I usually call out for him. You know, he's no. he's usually a little bit more competent in terms of he just seemed like he wasn't up to the level for whatever reason in this game and was getting beaten consistently so that was that was concerning he wasn't good on the ball either um less ball secure and that was really frustrating and uh yeah i, I don't know i mean at some point it's like what do you expect when you're right back to matriciani you know when, when you have center back pairing you have when you're doing this rotation of, of Merkin and, and oh, yeah. Oyan, you know, sometimes it's okay. Sometimes it's not, you have no wide players, you know, it's, I don't know what we're expecting, you know, to, to have happen. I don't know. It's surprising that we have the, the offensive record that we do have. I, I feel like I, I just the top score I, being five goals. It's like, how is this happening? Yeah. I, I don't know where that comes from. Cause I, I just don't consider us to be that strong of an offensive team. No. I mean, we had a couple of big games where we scored a handful of goals, but yeah, uh, I think um, 
to Kaminsky and some of the players' defense in a way. Kiel really, you know, ramped up the the pressure on us, especially on when we defenders had the balls and they forced them to kind of react quicker than they probably wanted to and probably led to some of those bad passes by Kaminsky and, and company. And this seeming like they were off. I think Holson Kiel had a lot to do with it. They have a lot of pace up top, you know, Machino and Mice and, and Skripsky. They're all fairly pacey players. Uh, and so they kind of put them on the back foot and kind of react oh, react faster than they wanted to and just threw them off completely. Uh, so good on Kiel on doing that. But, I mean, the first 20 minutes or so, we were just looked like we're just parking the bus and, you know, hey, we're going to get out of here with a 0 0 result. And it wasn't until, what, the 23rd minute where we finally had a counterattack. It was a really good counterattack, in my opinion, where I don't remember how the ball ended up getting to Merkin, but Merkin on the back door gets a shot off on target, forces uh, Viner to make a save. Uh, and at that point, I'm like, okay, all right, well, if we're going to play the counterattack game, this could work. But that's pretty much the end of the counterattacks until just before halftime. Uh, we got like the sustained momentum push for like two, two to five minutes where it's like wave after wave. Uh, we got a bunch of corners in that time frame too. A lot of shots on target. Schallenberg, probably one of our best chances of the game where he wound up from outside the box. It was going on target, but it hit a defender and went, just went out just past the post. I mean, I thought it was a good end to that first half. Uh, and I was, that had me hopeful. And I think that's the problem with us being Shaka fans. It, we, they gave us hope that we can come back and find a way to get a result. And then, you know, the rest of the rest of it happens. But thoughts on the way, I guess, the first half evolved and how they ended the first half and going into it 0-0. Thoughts on how you No, I would definitely agree. I think I think the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half was the strongest phase of the game for Schalke. And, um, you know, as the game got closer towards its bookends, I think the worse we were. Um, certainly once they scored finally, I think we we failed to create a whole lot after that point. It was pretty much one-way traffic, and there were certainly large swats the first half that were very similar in that regard. So, um, yeah, a little bit of optimism early in the second half when, when things were going fairly well, but then ultimately, um, you know, the curse of the former player strikes again for us. Yeah, some great comments in the chat. Uh, Ryan on Twitch says, uh, there was a point in the game that he forgot Chirlonoff was playing, and I did too. I did too. After starting 11, he kind of just, what the, the formation did not suit his best attributes, I thought. Uh, Austin checking in says, uh, another game where the score was close, but like you said, it was never even close from the opening whistle. It felt like uh, there, was, there was a chance for a 0-0, but not the way they were attacking. Uh, and Eric agrees with us that that's the point. You know, they pressed. We had no whiff. And, you know, leave Schallenberg and, and Seguin to trying to distribute things and not doing so very well at all. So, um, yeah, yeah, we'll go ahead and break 0-0, but come out, like you said, uh, poor marking yet again is the theme of the entire game, maybe the entire season. Set piece, Scripsy backdoor by himself. There was a collision between Schallenberg, and, or excuse me, uh, Taroda and Machino, I think. Nonetheless, the ball falls to Scripsy one time. It just slots at home perfectly, does not celebrate as you'd expect. Um, but poor marking. I mean, like, how do you leave a guy, one of the one of their strikers, wide open like that on a set piece? And it happened throughout the game. It wasn't just like a one off. It was like this continuous theme. It's like the defense is just shambolic at this point. It's like we have no direction defensively, or just the guys. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, Jack. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All I can say is I think I just, in, in my opinion, I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, and this is silly because this is me trying to give coaching advice when I, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. But like, I, I, just, I just think we need to go to like a four-three-three or something. Yeah. Go to four-three-three. If Karaman wants to play striker, put him central if you want to. Put Lazma and Sherlinov on either side of him. Stretch the field a little bit. Yeah. Have a you know a midfield three of Schallenberg, Seguin, and then you know Adrizier. You could even put Drexler or. Danny Lotza in there if you want to. Somebody that can pick a pass out potentially. Um, I don't know. Yeah. 
and then and then I think you need Oyan at some point too. Uh, back in there, um, I almost I almost am kind of like, hey, put Oyan and Merkin at center back again. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I want I want the wide you know the wide cool chance with. creation of, of Oyan as well. So who would be in the middle though of the two of those two? Uh, wait, who? He said if Merk, he said you want Merkin and Oyan in the center back. Well, I was saying no. I was saying I was saying like maybe put Oyan and Merkin on at the same time. Merkin can oh, play yeah, center yeah, back yeah, again yeah, as yeah, he yeah. was playing before. Like maybe drop Kaminsky or something along those lines. I just kind of want yeah. to get like Oyan back involved. I'm with you with that. I'm with you with that. Yeah. Uh, Ryan says you know talk about with Kabadai is a great shout. He came on at the end of the game where he you know instant impact. He had a, a quick cross into the box, dangerous area. So maybe his pace could help out as well uh, on the wing. He's just coming back from injury as well, so that could be helpful in terms of pace and width. So, um, but yeah, I mean a- after that goal. Really no reaction from us. I, I thought we were lacking passion. I, I, maybe, like I said, maybe outside of Matriciani. For the most part, like I said, balls going into Toronto, just they go to the die. Um, no really connection on their passes. Holstein Kiel kept trying to press and, and kept trying to you know get the goal. You know, Mueller had some great saves in the game. Uh, one save on, on Timo Becker who goes from distance trying to get a shot off. Got a nice shot off on target. And Timo and, uh, excuse me, Marius Mueller made the save. I mean, uh, other than other than the wave after wave of Holstein Kiel, I thought Dole really we had some chances at the end. Last one, that last man Kabadai come on that did add some pace and width to the team that kind of helped. You see that was lacking throughout the game. And then Kiki Top, as he, he came on late in the game, he got a shot off a header that forced uh, Viner to make a save at the at the death. But um, again, not enough from the team. And one nothing is very flattering for us. Um, no other results went our way. Magdeburg beat St. Pauli, as I mentioned. I don't know if I mentioned here or her or pregame. Um, and uh, Wiesbaden won as well. Uh, Braunschweig won as well. Uh, only thing that went our way was uh, Kaiserslautern lost. So still in 14th place. Still out of the relegation zone, but not by much. Two points. We separate us and, and Kaiserslautern uh, in that last relegation spot. Um, it just lacking. I mean, 22 shots for, for Kiel. Seven for us, two on target for us. They had five on target. Like you said, like they probably could have scored a lot more goals if they were just on target. It was just like missing shot after missing shots. I mean, do you, I think, I think we both feel that this game was. Well, you already said it. it it's flattering. It's flattering to Schalke because there's no way we should have been in this game. And it can. This kind of place cannot keep up if we want to have a chance to survive. Yeah, they just had too many clean shots. Is what I mean. Like shots where yeah. they beat somebody on the dribble, or, or the ball fell to them, and there just isn't a lot of pressure as they're taking it, and they have time to square up and really kind of test the keeper. And like I said, they they, they missed some wide for whatever reason. You know, some of them just weren't placed particularly well, and Muller was able to make a pretty easy save. But I think on another day, certainly, you know, a couple more of those maybe go go in, and we're talking about a different picture at the end of it. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Hey, you know, if we can avoid getting embarrassed by the top teams, that's at least good for the psychology. And then hopefully we can build on that and put in better performances against teams that we're better able to compete against, uh, given our our talent level. Um, yeah, I've just kind of reached the point where I feel like our talent level is is clearly not there. It's not there. I mean, you could say, oh, the coach isn't getting it out of them, but like no coach is ever getting it out of us. It's just I don't think we have a good enough squad at the moment. So given that we don't have the squad to compete. I mean, maybe they're just really trying to prioritize defense and, you know, trying to keep a clean sheet and, and be solid back there. Maybe that's why we're seeing the shape in some of the team selection things. But for me, it's like, what are the bright spots in your team? What are the peaks that you can potentially try to, to maximize, yeah. focus on those, and just try to get the most out of those possible? And to me, that's like, you know, the in-possession output of an Oeon. That's, you know, the pace of, 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 of Lasma. Um, that's Chernov once again in those wide areas. 
things along those lines. I just want to see the people that I think are the most X factor like players being put in optimal positions to be able to affect the game. Yeah. Um, Cause that's kind of all we have going forward. I feel like I'm kind of giving up on the idea that Gerard's is suddenly just going to turn the squad playing a normal game into like a really efficient, consistent, you know, match winning team. Yeah. Uh, Ryan says the peak is Mueller. Nothing else. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and you know, it's hard because like, like you said, we play one of the top teams. It's a one nothing result. We should be able to take positives from this, but I'm I'm struggling to find the positives in this. Other than, you know, I think the team played a little bit better defense. I can't even say that because they they played terrible defensively. I'm sure I'm sure there's a silver lining there somewhere. Uh, maybe the substitution that came on. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that, the game ends one nothing. Um, some of the other results from the weekend, like I mentioned, Braunschweig beat Karlsruhe. Uh, Paderborn beat. Uh, Kaiserslautern, St. Pauli got their first loss of the season. Uh, and the, the game of the weekend undoubtedly was Hanover 4, Hamburg 3 in that game. That was a, a wild, wild game there. Um, worth watching a replay if you, have, if you haven't done so. So uh, that's the game there. Um, many people were asking, where's Brandon Soppy been? Uh, and apparently, you know, and we've seen this before. When, when Terlinoff came with, joined us in January... He wasn't match fit, and we knew that. We had to get some games under him. He hadn't played many games at all in, in a while, really, since the last time he played with us. And so Brandon Soppy, again, lacking match fitness. Um, no real injuries, but he's just not ready yet, uh, according to Gerard. Vilmot said, you know, hey, I decided to pull him out because I don't want him to go there and risk injury. Just keep him away from the team for another one or two weeks. When he's match fit, he'll be on the team. He'll be ready to contribute right back. But uh, I can't fault... I guess that makes sense. I'd rather, I mean, uh, I, I don't know what to think, honestly, of this. You know, I want to see what he's made of. Brandon Soppy um, hasn't is a match fit yet, and I can I can see why he isn't. But, um, yeah, I mean, you don't want to risk. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. I, I don't think we went out and made any moves in the transfer market that are going to be revelatory anyway. So yeah. I, I, I don't think it's like, oh, we have to get Soppy on the pitch because the second he's on the pitch, suddenly things change for Schalke in, in some sort of dramatic fashion. Yeah. So for me, I'd rather, yeah, wait until he's match fit, wait until he's in you know the, the best possible window to make an impact, bring him on then. Hopefully he puts in a better performance that helps his confidence and all kinds of things. You don't want him to you know, be hyped up and then have his first impression be poor, a la Cisse, potentially, oh, right? Yeah. You know, first game of the season. So yeah. I'm, I'm fine with this. I don't, it doesn't really bother me. Um. I agree, and I, I ultimately agree with that. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, if he can provide any kind of width and pace and can cross the ball into the box, it gives the attackers a chance, and I'm all for it. So uh, looking forward to, you know, hopefully seeing him here in the near future, maybe against St. Pauli. We'll, we'll see about that. Uh, next thing I want to talk about is Shaka losing some TV monies over the last, you know, five years, obviously. We've progressively gotten worse, you know, whether it's in a Bundesliga coming from 12th down to 16th relegation. We've fluttered, floundered around the, the relegation spot in both both leagues, it seems like. And now we're flirting with a double relegation here. Next year is going to really hurt us. We're just constantly losing money. and doesn't help because we don't have any money as it is. We're bankrupt. We're basically bankrupt, you know, how, how much we're in debt. Uh, and now we're losing any kind of chance of TV money. Not that there's much TV money this fight to Liga, but, you know, not having the money money's available there. You know, we we know this watching from afar, trying to trying to watch from afar this fight the Liga. ESPN Plus only picks up a you know, handful of games every year, um, total in the league, and so that's you're not you're lacking money there. And obviously, it's, most of the money is going to come from Germany and stuff like that. But it's par for the course, really. The one one glimmer of hope, I guess, and I don't even have, 
I don't want to even, I take this with a grain of salt, but Schalke is suing for 3 million euros. Harfid, their former uh, sleeve sponsor from last year, they got bought out by a team called Whitesall or I forget, White something, Whitesfield. Uh, and apparently, once they bought out Harfid, you know, their, their due obligation because Harfid had, had a contractual agreement with Schalke to pay them for as a sleeve sponsor. Well, when they bought them out, they didn't pay them for six months apparently, and uh, Schalke says it's 3 million euros that they're owed. So, can that help us? I mean, the transfer window is already closed. So, I mean, at least it can balance the books or something. But, uh, you know, hey, Chaka trying to get money any way they can. We already talked about how in the past how they're trying to sell the catering and some other stuff just to make money. They're finding any ways to make money at this point. Um, but, yeah, 3 million euro. Whoop-de-do, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's if the third division becomes a thing that that becomes existential, I think existential yeah. for the club pretty quickly. So we just need to avoid relegation and, um, you know, hopefully we can survive at least a couple of years in the second division. I know it's not ideal, but I think we were set up to be able to kind of weather that storm for a bit. Uh, but if it gets any worse than second division, it gets, it gets ugly pretty quickly. Um, yeah. The, the, just the revenue that we're making at the moment is not anywhere near what we're used to over the past couple decades. So, yeah. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, once again, if you're watching uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, make sure you hit that like button. It'll be much appreciated. All right, next article, I recommend it. Read me in this article, Jack. Uh, Rafa Honingstein, well, we all know who Rafa Honingstein is. Uh, for The Athletic, wrote an article. It's titled, Schalke Sorrow, Fallen Giants, Fighting Relegation, and Financial Ruin. I'm not going to read the article. I bring this up because he mentions, and I saw this this weekend, Jimmy Kimmel mentions Schalke, sort of. Uh, so he goes on and says, uh, Taylor Swift is doing three nights in a 63,000 people soccer stadium there, even though no one's ever heard of Gelson Kirshen. <laughs> Take a shot to Schalke. Uh, it's a honing sign is mentioning how, like, you know, this is how bad Schalke's gone that, you know, they're being made fun of. It used to be the days where we made fun of Armin Bielefeld, and now we're the laughing stock. You know, a team that's, you know, one of the giants of, of German football is being looked at in a satirical way. But the article goes on to about, like, how, how the struggles have been and really how. It's been the the supervisory board has been a lot to do with our struggles and why we've not made some good financial decisions over the years. And we know we we know all this. Uh, he's talking a lot about the civil war that's going on in the supervisory board with you know Clemens Tonys who's trying to get back in there some way with his friends and and try to get a new board in there to, to overthrow the board that's currently there. The current board, you know, the hiring guys like Vil, Mark Vilmots who has no real sporting director experience. You know, so it's an interesting article. Um, but thoughts on. The one time we get recognition in American television, it's Jimmy Kimmel making fun of us and uh, Taylor Swift reference, I guess. Um, well, interestingly enough, I'm actually going to be going to see Taylor Swift in uh, Amsterdam. <laughs> Not Gelsen Kirchner? In July. No, in, no in, in Amsterdam. Okay, that's pretty cool. And, and, You'll be close. And obviously, obviously, the tickets to the Veltons Arena were an option as well, but I'll be damned if the first time I go to the Veltons Arena <laughs> to see a Taylor Swift concert, <laughs> not to see a Schalke match. So that was vetoed. <laughs> And uh, Amsterdam is where we'll be heading. But um, it's a short drive. Jokes on, you, Jimmy, jokes on you, Jimmy Kimmel. I have heard of, of Gels and Kirshen, and I knew that there was a Taylor Swift concert there. And, uh, yeah. Jack is a huge Swifty, says Ryan. <laughs> the biggest. <laughs> but yeah, biggest you'll, be, you'll be in Amsterdam. You actually will be fairly close to Gels and Kirshen. I don't know what your schedule is like, but you know, it's, it's fairly close. Maybe we can arrange for you uh, to roll to red carpet for you. Who knows? We'll see, huh? Uh, yeah. We'll see what division I, we're I'm in. Gonna take it, I'm going to take a more designated trip back to uh, to Shelka <laughs> territory at some point for sure. Yeah, no, I, I as well. I will as well. 
Uh, last thing I got here to get us out of here, V and Wiesbaden coming up. Um, looking at the table, Wiesbaden is one place above us. Four points, though. Uh, it's a relegation six-pointer for us, I would say. We need three points just to catch, catch, get closer to them, but that much further away from the relegation spot. We don't know what Braunschweiger, Kaiserslautern, or Hans Rostock is going to do. We need to get a win. This is a must-win, Jack. We said, oh, I said, for sure, these next three games, we need to get at least seven points out of these games. Obviously, you got a big goose egg against against Holstein Kiel. However, we get a result against Wiesbaden. That'll help you know, make things a little bit better. What are you looking forward to this game? I mean, it's... I can't remember. They beat us the first time around. No, it was a draw the first time around, right? I don't remember what the score was the first time. I know it's still early in early mid-February, but I agree with you. It's starting to actually get, you know, towards crunch time now. I think when we were coming out of the winter pause, we were looking at the table, and even though we didn't anticipate, you know, our fortunes changing dramatically, you could at least look at the math of the table at that point and say, hey, look, we're actually not even that far away from the top six or the top eight or whatever it is, a couple quick results, and yeah. we can get back into it. Um, I think even by this point, in the second half of the season, that has changed. We're not really within touching distance of anything near the top. And, you know, the focus is fully just on avoiding the relegation battle and trying to build as much of a buffer between us and those couple um, places where you can get dragged into that position before the end of the year, hopefully, so that we're not, um, you know, biting our nails for the final five, six, seven games of the season. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think, this is a, I think this is a hugely important match. It's one that you would expect us to win. Um, you know, and if we're trying to not have the club uh, potentially get into very dangerous territory, we we, we should and, and, and do need to win that game. So that's what I'll be looking forward to. Yeah, and looking at looking at their squad, uh, some of the guys who have uh, a lot of the goals on their team, and it's really um, uh, Petrian uh, or whatever his name is, uh, six goals on the on the season. Uh, Lee Hyun Ju is three goals. Uh, Iridale, uh, an Australian, has two goals there. So there's a little, they're, they're struggling for goals as us. Their, their top goal scorer is six. Ours is five. Um, we have a little bit more goal. Uh, look at the goal differentials for us and them. They're even. Yeah, but we're, we're very similar offensively yeah. and defensively this yeah. season overall in terms of sort of the, the, the goal totals and whatnot. So, um, yeah, just got to get it done. Agreed. Next two matches are winnable. We need to capitalize. It's absolutely at this point. Like I said, it's early, but we got a long way to go, and uh, we need to start getting uh, getting on a roll. And as as Marius Muller says, we just got to get work on get on shutouts and then get some results. So uh, let's let's hope that we can get something this weekend. It's Saturday, seven o'clock a.m. Eastern time, six o'clock Jack time. Um, doesn't say ESPN. So <laughs> good luck trying to find the stream. Uh, join the Discord if you want to find a legal stream. <laughs> All right, Jack, let's get out of here. What? Uh, where can our followers find you on social media? At JM Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. Look at that. So smooth. I try to do it by myself, and I, I struggle. Um, you can follow me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. More importantly, follow us at Shock America anywhere on social media. Our podcast can be streamed anywhere you hear um, music, audio, podcasts, and uh Obviously, you know, if you're not if you're not doing so already, go on YouTube and uh, subscribe and like the video would be much appreciated. Hey, go might as well go follow us on Twitch and Facebook and everywhere else, okay? Uh, but for that, we got the game this weekend, and then we'll catch you guys maybe same time, same place next week. So for Jack, for myself, uh, let's get another let's get a win this weekend. Let's change uh, change the results here. All right. Catch you soon. Glue <laughs>